0: What's up, it's Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Thanks for listening to the Under the Hood podcast presented by Coors Light. Stay inside and buy your Coors Light online. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, take
1: time to chill. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Sports. From State Street and the First Midwest Bank Studio, this is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. WMVP Chicago. This is Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. Follow at Hood on Twitter. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN
2: 1000. Chicago's
0: home for sports. What's up and welcome in. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights at 7 here on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Phone lines open for you at 312-332-ESPN, 332-ESPN. Three seven seven six is our telephone number. Nineteen ninety eight was wild. It was wild for baseball. I can't remember a summer that was hotter for that sport. So here's what I remember. Let me rewind, going back a little further than nineteen ninety eight. So the nineteen ninety four strike was brutal, and as a White Sox fan, I remember how much momentum the Sox had a season before in nineteen ninety three. The 93 Sox team had Frank Thomas, who was a red-hot home run hitter. And Robin Ventura over at third base, a terrific hitter, not only in college but also in the pros with the uh, Chicago White Sox. You had Tim Raines, who had been in baseball for a long time, one of the original Montreal Expo players, and now he's a catalyst as far as getting on the base paths and stealing bases. So Tim Raines was a real key cog to that 93 team. And Bo Jackson, of course, Bo Jackson had this worldwide acclaim for someone who could play football and play baseball. So Bo Jackson was a major attraction to that 93 White Sox team. And Carlton Fisk was still on the team. Uh, he came to the Sox in 1981, but was still on that 93 team as a 45-year-old catcher. Not to mention how good that starting rotation was for the White Sox. Going to... Comiskey Park to watch Blackjack McDowell. If you got a ticket to see McDowell, that was always key because you saw someone that was lights out more times than not. He was a very interesting character, but really a lead pitcher in that rotation with Wilson Alvarez and with Alex Fernandez and Jason Beret. As a matter of fact, McDowell, Alvarez, Fernandez, and Bure they all won 11 games or more, a solid rotation. Roberto Hernandez was the closer on that team. That was a World Series caliber team, aging veterans, solid pitching. The Sox came out of nowhere to compete. Very similar to the 05 championship White Sox, where you see some veterans on this team, you're like, oh, just another team, and all of a sudden, it just all comes together. And the difference between '05 and 93 is, in 93, the stocks came up just a little short in the playoffs from reaching their goal. And then the next year, a strike happens in 1994. As the last thing that you want to hear as a baseball fan, that there's a work stoppage. Hello, 2020, right? 1994, the Major League Baseball strike happens. And baseball came to a screeching halt. and didn't return for 232 days. If you're a diehard baseball fan like I am, just like we're going through right now, it stinks when baseball is not around in the spring and summer to lead you into football season. So the strike canceled the rest of the 94 season, and for the first time since 1904, even the World Series. 94-95 Major League Baseball strike. It was the eighth work stoppage in baseball history at the time. We're going through the ninth at this point in time. And the strike began August 12, 1994, and resulted in the remainder of that season being canceled, including the postseason. The strike was suspended on April 2nd, 1995. As I mentioned, 232 days, making it the longest such stoppage in Major League Baseball history and the longest work stoppage in Major League professional sports at the time. So, as I'm a young broadcaster in my third year in the business in 1994, I'm watching this, and I'm producing shows for Ron Rivera, who is now the head coach for the Washington Redskins. He just was done with the Bears and got into the radio business, so I started producing some of his weekend shows. He was good, by the way, Chico. Um, Major League Baseball attendance lagged in 95 and 96, going from 50 million people total for attendance in 96 to 60 million. And then in 97, it goes to 63 million in attendance. And then 98, everything took off like a rocket ship. The Rockies were really the big draw, far and away from a lot of these teams, because they were new and fresh. So the Rockies were drawing somewhere in the area of 3.2, 3.3 million fans at Coors Field. But 98 was a sweet spot for a lot of baseball fans, that's, and they saw some offense. And they saw plenty of... Plenty of offense. We talk about this with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Yeah, we saw a ton of offense in 1998. As I mentioned, there's some people that were really salty at Major League Baseball because of the strike, and people started to come in slowly, slowly, but 98 was the hook. Long-term ramifications financially and butts in seats for baseball until 98. 98 was off the chain because... I'll give you a date. May 19th in 1998, Mark McGuire homers three times in the game for the second time. Okay? Not the first time, the second time. McGuire homers three times in a game. The second time on May 19th. You know when baseball season starts. On May 28th of that year, with Arizona leading the Giants 8-6 to in the bottom of the ninth, Buck Showalter, their manager, intentionally walked Barry Bonds with the bases loaded. Sounds crazy, right? You would rather walk in a run than the pitch to Barry Bonds. But that's how strong baseball was in 1998. In June of 15th of of 1998, now June is a big year for the Cubs and Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa hits three home runs against the Milwaukee Brewers as he starts to really take off. There were 11 three-run, three-homer games that season, so... Manny Ramirez, Carlos Delgado, and also Brant Brown. Again, 11-3 homer games that season. Didn't sound like Brant Brown should be in that conversation, but Carlos Delgado and Manny Ramirez are in that conversation as well. That's crazy. So, you think about the lasting impact. Sammy Sosa's power didn't materialize from nowhere. I mean, he already was hitting a lot of home runs in 95, 96, 97. As a matter of fact, Sosa from 95 to 97... He hit 112 home runs, tied for 11th in the majors. Still, he was viewed as talented, but, you know, he was a wild swinger. If you remember watching Sammy Sosa, yeah, I mean, yeah, he had a lot of home runs, but also didn't have much of a strike zone. If he was in his sweet spot, he just swung, closed his eyes, and went over the fence. So the home run chase in June looked like this. This is June before the All-Star break, which we'll get to in a moment. The home run chase looked like this. It had Mark McGuire with 37 home runs in as we go through June of 1998. Sammy Sosa had 33. And also in the hunt, Ken Griffey Jr. had 33. That's a ton of home runs. And if you've been watching baseball for a long time, when you see someone hit 30 or more home runs in a season, that's an accomplishment. McGuire was already at 37. Sosa was at 33 as we go through the month of June. In July of that year, the American League wins the All-Star game 13-8 to at Coors Field. I mentioned Coors Field was on fire because the Rockies were new. And, of course, the thin air of Denver, the ball went out of the ballpark a ton. So for the first time that year of 98, for the first time, four players entered the All-Star break with 30 home runs. McGuire had 37, Griffey had 35, Sosa had 33, and Greg Vaughn had 30. All four finished with at least 50. That season, and 2001, are the only ones with four 50 home run players. No other season had more than two. (laughs) That's what 1998 brought to the table. And the home run chase ends with Mark McGuire with 70 home runs. And Sammy Sosa with 66. It's a lot of home runs. I will tell you at the time in 1998, as a fan, I'm watching it like everybody else and saying, "Wow, you can't wait to see the box score or see the highlights on SportsCenter or actually watch the games to see how many big flies that you see in a game." It didn't matter if you were a bad team or a good team, big flies was it because baseball needed. Something they needed a kick in the ass, they needed fans to come to the ballpark because as I mentioned living during that time as a baseball fan, baseball was not it. Remember, we're talking about the Jordan era of the 1990s where people were more apt to watch the NBA and watch to see if someone's gonna knock off Jordan the Bulls or watch the Bulls win another championship versus spending time in the spring watching baseball. But baseball was right on the same level as the other sports because of how sexy the home run was to so many people. Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire will be part of the documentary, The 30 for 30, uh, coming up on Sunday on ESPN. I can't wait to watch that because I look forward to seeing what the truth is, what the lies are, <laughs> whatever is going to happen in this documentary. I'm interested in watching it as a baseball fan. Because that summer is a summer I'll never forget. I'll also will never forget that that summer brought me back to baseball. Even though I was on the air or as a producer and on-air personality, the point is is that I was really locked in day-to-day on what was going on with baseball across the board. Sammy Sosa is a Chicago Cub and should be revered as a Chicago Cub. I don't know what Tom Ricketts hang up is with Sammy Sosa, but when you hear Tom Ricketts say, well, Sammy needs to apologize before we can let him through the doors at Clark and Addison. I think that that is just as petulant as you'll find. Tom Ricketts has to stop acting like a petulant fan and be a businessman. Many still want Sammy's autograph. They like to have him around for during conventions because the past is the past. You and I both know that there is a stark difference between Sammy Sosa when he's with the White Sox and Sammy Sosa with the Cubs. The era was filled with those that took uh, an extra step. They were able to put the syringe where they needed it to, to be able to get the extra power or the staying power to stay in the lineup. Steroids was part of that era. And there were home runs hit by people that I didn't think I'd see. I mean, Brady Anderson hit 50 home runs, and I'm like, how? How is that happening? But that was part of the era. And the Players Association and Bud Selig, both sides didn't do anything about it. What they did is they counted the money. They counted how much revenue was coming in and how many eyeballs were on the TV to watch the home run chase. Because it was interesting. It was compelling. Baseball needed that. People were turning off baseball with droves. And by the way, in 2020, it might be the same way because here we are on the 9th of June and still no baseball. When baseball returns, if you can go to the ballpark, will be 40,000 people at the ballpark. not so sure. I don't think that's the case across the landscape for Major League Baseball. The point is, is that Sammy Sosa should be back in the Cubs circle. He should be back in the Cubs family. It doesn't matter... What you and I think is, well, Sammy, you know, he, he took steroid. You know what? Who didn't? Who didn't? To For one reason, for production. But the other reason is to make sure that they stayed healthy. If you look at Barry Bonds' numbers, Davis and I were going through his numbers before the show. And we were looking at Barry Bonds when he's with Pittsburgh. And you will hear this very often. You know, Bonds didn't need to take steroids. He was already talented. And it is true. Because I watched Barry Bonds from the, the beginning when he's with Pittsburgh, he the, the skinny Barry Bonds was didn't really get off to the start that he wanted to. It was he was good but not great until 1990, and then he took off. All stars. He was a Gold Glover nine years out of ten, and just continued to get better and better. But he got bigger. What's What's interesting about steroids, and especially for Barry Bonds, is is that. Barry taking the steroids or, or whatever he took to continue to have performance-enhancing drugs, whatever he took, because you know he's a different player, whatever he did take, he stayed in ball games. What's so mo- remarkable about Barry Bonds is that he was a National League player, not some DH in the American League that was just hanging on until he was 40, 45 years old. He continued to play the outfield until he was in his late 30s, early 40s. And continue to have five and six hundred plate appearances, so you will have X players in that era will tell you, yeah, you take a little something that way that you can stay in ball games that you would not have to have long uh, long term disability as far as going on the DL and making sure that you're uh, healthy enough to play and make sure that you're up to speed game in and game out. You know, if you give a player an inch, they'll take a they'll take a mile, and if the players' association as well as Major League Baseball, the players uh, and the owners, if they're not going to do anything about it, then why should we blame Sammy Sosa for that? There's a, there are players right now in the Hall of Fame that I believe took steroids. But you don't hear me talking about them. The reason why is because this is all media-driven. Ah, he's a good guy in the locker room. Ah, put him in the Hall of Fame. Ah, he gave me a, a quote. Ah, he gave me a story. I ah, never had a problem with the media. Put him in. There's people in the in the Hall of Fame right now that were able to circumvent the system and did it gleefully to make sure that they had their production up and make sure that they were healthy. Sammy self health is no different than those guys. Sammy believes, hey, you know, I I was never and never tested positive, and that's true. Like Sammy never tested positive for steroids one. He's in that Mitchell report. But he has never been outed as someone that took steroids. But you and I, with a wink and a nod, know that Sammy's body changes like Bonds, Bagwell, so many others in that era. Sammy Sosa is a Cub. And Sammy Sosa should be in the circle with the Cubs. Ricketts has to stop acting like a child. You're not a fan anymore. Like, ah, he took steroids. He needs to apologize. For what? For who? Sosa should be back with the Cubs, and it would have been a perfect opportunity Uh, for him to be able to be with Tom Rickett side-by-side as this documentary comes out on Sunday. Sean, let's open the phone lines at 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. The reason why I told that story about 93 all the way to 98 is because Sosa and McGuire were two of the major reasons why Major League Baseball was able to return and really capture the nation. I want to find out from you, the Cub fan, whether or not you think Sosa should be back with the Cubs family. Should Sosa return to the Cubs family? Because he's been exiled by Tom Rickett and the current regime. So 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Sosa and McGuire, that documentary is coming out on Sunday. So I'm interested in finding out from you, is enough enough in 2020? Should Sosa return to the Cubs family? We'll get your reaction to that and more as you're listening to Under the Hood.
1: This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. On ESPN ESPN 1000, (laughs) Chicago's home for sports. This is Under the Hood. Listen to me. Under the Hood podcasts are available now on the all new ESPN Chicago app. Available on your device now. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. 1998
0: was a crazy time for Major League Baseball and long gone summer. Premieres Sunday, June 14th at 8 o'clock Chicago time on ESPN as we get a chance to see a close look at Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa in their pursuit of the single season Major League Baseball home run record in which Mark McGuire was able to win. Now, this now that we take a look at what's happening in 2020, we know that Mark McGuire said that he did take steroids. Sammy Sosa said he did not. There's a number of players, I, I believe, that are in the Hall of Fame. There's a number of players uh, right now waiting to get in the Hall of Fame that did take steroids. And, and to me, I just think the the Hall of Fame for Major League Baseball. We've gotten to the point where you're just picking and choosing certain players just because they were good to the press, and I just think that that's wrong. Uh, if you don't think that Sammy Sosa should be in the Hall of Fame, that's cool. Uh, but I believe that Sammy Sosa, if nothing else, should be able to be invited into the Cub Circle again, because uh, because to me, to uh, here's a guy here that we know that he's his body changed. I think that's very clear. I mean, but here's the thing. If you're Tom Ricketts, you have to be able to look at this as a businessman. What's going to happen to the Cubs in two or three years, right? We'll talk about that in just a moment. I want to take some calls on this. You heard my thought. Sammy Sosa should be back with the Cubs in, at Cubs conventions, ambassador, or whatever. I think that he should still be with the team. And if you, if the White Sox are listening, Sox, if the Cubs don't take him, you take him. Let's get the Panther. Let's get a... a, a I think that we should have a statue made since Ryan Zurich likes to make statues over there at a guaranteed rate a statue for the panther a young Sam Sosa out there in right field and the the statue should be him trying to throw the ball and hit the cutoff man but it just goes right into the third base dugout again <laughs> because that was the that really was Sammy Sosa with the with the with the White Sox he was the guy that had a hard time getting that ball uh, in the cutoff man and actually as a cub you had a problem with that too but as a Sox player i watched that and i was just like wow this guy's never gonna learn and he becomes a real big superstar in the sport so let me get your thoughts here 312-332-ESPN 332-3776 is our phone number uh, listening on the ESPN Chicago Hap in uh, Hesburg Mississippi here's Rob on ESPN 1000 with Jonathan Hood hi Rob hey John how you doing tonight good thank you
1: um, I totally agree, 100%. Sammy should be in the Cubs family. That was a really bad team for many of years, and this guy packed the ballpark. I remember watching. I grew up. I grew up two blocks from Wrigley. I remember watching games and changing the channel after Sammy either struck out or whatever, and I go back about eight, ten minutes later. Is he up yet? I mean, this guy drew attention, and. <clears throat> You know, like I said, he put a lot of money into that ownership, and Ricketts was one of those who at the time was a fan, and he should realize that, and, you know, that's that's just my opinion.
0: No, I agree with you, Rob, and I appreciate your telephone call. Rob leaves line open, 312-332-ESPN. Uh, glad to hear from you from Mississippi. I, I just think that Tom Ricketts has to look at the big picture, you're not a fan anymore in the stands and rooting for Sosa because I'm sure if I looked hard and asked someone to find footage of Ricketts in the stands as a fan, he was cheering on Sosa like many were cheering Sosa and Maguire and Griffey Jr. and vaughn and all these other guys that were hitting the home runs and bringing the sport back to prominence they of course we were all caught up into it you know there's some writers now that will have some foresight and say well you know i i thought there was something fishy in 98 but they didn't write it they didn't talk about it on a regular basis it was just it was something to watch because what is this country attracted to? Offense, right? Uh, whether that's the National Hockey League, whether that is soccer, more people would be in, even in the soccer even more so if there was more scoring. People are not into defense; they're into offense. And so, with with uh, Major League Baseball, it's something that baseball needed at the time. I, I just want to point out something about uh, Theo Epstein and the Cubs in this regard. So. If you're not gonna bring Sammy Sosa back, I'm sure in conventions in the next three, five to 10 years, that we're gonna continue to see the 16 Chicago Cubs team, the World Series team come out there and talk about the Cubs winning the one World Series. Maybe they win a second one in the Epstein era. Who knows actually what's going on right now. Point is though, is that this World Series team, as long as they're alive, they don't have to pay for a a drink or a meal in this town. They don't have to because they brought something to the table that many of us thought we would never live long enough to see. And we saw the Cubs win the world series. But along with that, yes, Sammy Sosa did not win a world series with the Chicago Cubs, but there's so many moments, so many great moments with Sosa as a player. Tell me if I'm wrong. Were you not, entertained by sammy sosa and what he could do offensively it was home run or nothing a lot when sosa was up there There, there's there's no doubt it's it's interesting how sosa's career at the end is being picked apart sosa walked away from the team didn't apologize to his teammates and all didn't apologize all this other stuff sammy sosa if he was in there, if if Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor and players of that ilk are allowed to, to return, why can't Sammy Sosa be allowed to return? It's because this fan owner believes that he's been wronged because Sosa quote unquote doesn't doesn't apologize. To me, if Sosa walked through at the Cubs convention this winter, he would he'd be the headliner number one, but number two, he there would be so many cheers for him in his return. And again, look at it as a businessman, not as someone that is just this fan from the bleachers. You realize how much money, how much more money, how much revenue that the Cubs could have on Sosa's name in 2020, especially after this documentary, because once again, similar to the um, Last Dance and the Jordan documentary, there is merchandise that could be sold for younger fans that did not see what I've been talking about, the 98 home run chase that were not really into the Cubs at that time. So there are young fans now that are listening to me that are that watch the Cubs like 05, 06, 07 maybe somewhere in there and watch the World Series but there are some that can learn about Sammy Sosa and be able to be connected to Sammy Sosa now you're leaving money on the table, Ricketts. You know, the money that you say you don't have. You're leaving money on the table by not allowing Sosa to be back in the circles. There is revenue that can be made off of Sosa, autographs, merchandise, him coming to the Cubs convention. But again, when you look at it as a fan, he didn't, he needs to apologize. What's wrong with the Marquee Network? He needs to apologize. What's wrong with the Marquee Network? I'll, I'll, that's just being a, a child. Be a businessman three one two three three two ESPN three three two three seven seven six is our phone number. Um, some thoughts from Sammy Sosa on earlier on Cap and Company. Um, Sosa was asked did the nineteen ninety eight season change him as a teammate?
3: Well nineteen ninety eight was the year that you know everybody pretty much got to know who I mean who I mean who I was and who I am and it took me, you know, I mean, it took me to the top. I, 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 you know, you know, that was a grateful year for everyone, especially myself. Uh, also in my country, Dominican Republic, and uh, you know, now, you know, that year, you know, like I say, I mean, it's, it's, you know, so much joys, I mean, so much home brums, uh so much surprise that uh, that uh, that I, you know made me a celebrity. <laughs>
0: So thoughts there from Sammy Sosa. We'll hear more from Sosa coming up in our next half hour on his conversation with David Kaplan. Also, uh, Jeff Pentland uh, was a hitting coach. Now, the story of Jeff Pentland as a hitting coach was he was adjusting uh, Sosa's swing (laughs) because from the beginning to the end, Sosa was a free swinger. Of course, he became a home run hitter. And again, whether or not you believe it was enhanced or not, whatever, he just became a better home run hitter. Um, when I'm talking to, not just me in my opinion, when I talk to former players or, or athletes, when it comes to taking performance, enhancing drugs, um, the the thing that we find out from a baseball standpoint is, is that it's not about hitting the ball harder, but just being able to focus more. And again, being able to heal up with injuries, that's something that's uh, that seems to always be a talking point when it comes to uh, PEDs. Um, and again, Sosa has never on the record, been um, been accused uh, of taking PEDs, has never been, uh, and took a positive test. Whatever's in the Mitchell report's in there, we, we don't know, but it's never been brought out like others that, hey, this guy was a steroid guy. But again, you and I have common sense. We know that a lot of these players got bigger over the years. It's not just from age. It's because they want to get stronger. And so I, I totally get it. Um, But Jeff Pentland talking about uh, working with Sammy Sosa.
4: One of the things I told Sammy to motivate him was your numbers against Atlanta are absolutely horrible. I said, the all-star game goes through Atlanta because they win every year. And what do you think Bobby Cox thinks of you as a player? You're hitting below 100 against their big guys. I had, since spring training, had built this thing up to a mountaintop that the challenge is Atlanta and to prove yourself as a you know above average major leaguer or or a superstar you got to hit Smoltz, Gladman and Maddox and in 98 he did he killed them and every time he hit a home run he'd look at Bobby Cox
0: (laughs) Davis put this on the poll at ESPN 1000 does Jeff Pentland sound like baseball (laughs) <laughs> listen to that. <laughs> and, old Bobby Cox, you know, your numbers against Atlanta are terrible. I mean, just old baseball face, old baseball jargon, Jeff Pentland. Sounds like baseball. Sounds like a baseball coach telling Sammy what to do. I like that. It just, you don't get that sound anymore. You got a lot of young coaches and managers in baseball. But Pentland, old, old-timey baseball, that's what he sounds like. Old coach, like, hey, Bobby Cox, I like it. 312 332 ESPN 332 3776 is our phone number. Denver, Colorado, listening on the ESPN Chicago app is Joe on ESPN 1000. Hi, Joe. What's going on, Jay Hood? How are you? Good. What's cracking?
4: Listen, this is what I got to say. I'm going to start off by saying this. You remember the old MLB marketing campaign, Chicks Dig the Long Ball, mm-hmm. and Major League Baseball profited from Sosa. And the steroid era. Now, granted, Sosa never tested positive, but I don't think that did Big did Papi test positive? I mean, you know, this, it's the hypocrisy. Sosa brought in a lot of revenue for the Cubs, brought in a lot of revenue for the city of Chicago, and brought in a ton of revenue for baseball. So, yes, Sosa should be allowed. I think it's just a double standard and a hypocrisy with Ricketts and baseball in general. How about Hall of Fame? Well... I think so because I agree with you. I think there's a ton of ton of players who have, at some point in time in their career, have done something to enhance their game. It may not have been steroids, it could have been greenies, it could have been whatever, but they did something. Um, and I, you know, I think so. I think Bond should be in the Hall of Fame. Whether you want to go ahead and put an asterisk by it or, or whatever, but you can't argue with their numbers. You can't argue with Ty Cobb's numbers, and he was probably one of the most horrific people that's ever put on a major league
0: baseball uniform glad you checked in man i appreciate your telephone call joe from denver listening on the espn chicago app so we know the app's working 312-332-ESPN-332-3776 is our phone number jesse rogers is going to be with us coming up in 90 minutes he tweets out at jesse rogers espn MLBPA set to propose a 89 game season (laughs) i swear 89-game season proposed by players would start on July 10th and end on October 11th. A source includes expanded postseason for 2020 and 2021. 48 games, 89 games, 110 games, 50 games. We've heard every proposal back and forth across the table. And guess what? You and I as baseball fans are getting nothing. Nothing for it. That's surprising, right? Uh, we're t- talking about Sammy Sosa, getting your thoughts. Sosa be back in the Cubs Circle and also the Hall of Fame piece as well. We're talking about because that uh, documentary is coming out on Sunday. I can't wait to see the footage of Sosa versus McGuire during that era is very interesting. All right, 312-332-ESPN is our phone number for that. Coming up next, Matt Nagy, the head coach for the Bears, uh, spoke to the media today. We'll pick apart some of the things that uh, Nagy said. Also, uh, still to come this half hour, we'll hear more from Sammy Sosa in his conversation with David Kaplan on UTH. He under
1: the Hood with Jonathan hood on ESPN London, Chicago's home for sports go under the hood with jonathan hood follow us on the grab at igj hood and at espn underscore chicago espn 1000 chicago's home for sports
0: the dandy little glove man as chip carey used to say mickey morandini will be on the show on under the hood at eight o'clock right here on espn 1000 you know he was on that 1998 cubs team uh replaced Brian Sandberg at second base, as a matter of fact. Uh, so we'll hear from Morandini his thoughts on Sammy Sosa. And of course, he went through that 94 strike I talked about. So he knows about labor issues with baseball. So I'm going to get his kind of pick his brain on that as well. So we'll hear from Morandini coming up uh, at 8 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. Glad that you're in here on this Tuesday night. Um, so Matt Nagy, the head coach for the Bears, spoke to the media today. You know, we're immersed in OTAs, and there's going to be a lot of conversations now from some of the Bears players and coaches coaches. So a couple of things that stood out to me in the conversation, if you missed it. Matt Nagy um, was asked, what can be learned from the 2011 season,
5: the lockout, to the practice now? I think the number one concern that you always run into is going to be um, the the health and injury risks that these players have, right? They're all on different levels. So I've told you guys that our mindset coming into this year is that we're going to be a physically and mentally tough team that's talk right now. That's all that I can do. So when they get here, the message has been loud and clear to the players via Zoom calls that that's the mindset. What are you doing right now at home to prepare for that? So now that said, two years ago, we talked about being calloused. That's real. That's going to happen this year. I I promise you that will happen in our training camp. But we also can't be stupid. We need to make sure that we're smart and we're calculated in how we do it. Injuries. Can affect a, a football team so when you uh, specifically you can run into hamstring injuries, you know calf injuries, all that so we, we've tackled that pretty well we have an action plan on how we want to go about fixing that and we have a plan for it so that was probably the biggest thing from the lockout year um, knowing that we got to be prepared so we're going to put that into action this summer.
0: I've been hear a lo- hearing a lot from Nagy here in the offseason about being more physically and mentally tough. I don't know what that means during this pandemic in which you can't be able to go after your teammates, you know, how you want to be able to knock the rust off. And so you're trying to tackle and you're trying to I don't know what that means, physical and mental toughness but it'll be interesting to see how that all materializes throughout the season but he's been saying that a lot it's something he saw that he thought maybe there's some softness with this Bears team for them to be eight and eight last year Uh, again he's watching the film closer than I am I'm just watching the game's first run just like you are and maybe there's something he saw that felt there the cup that somehow the the Bears are not as tough as they were a couple of years ago I don't know we're gonna find out so Tariq Cohen is an interesting conversation because Tariq Cohen, I think at one point last year said, I'm not a running back and I'm just going to think, okay, so Tariq Cohen is a gadget player. He's not a down in and down out running back that you can utilize. Um, and I'm trying to figure out what's best for Tariq Cohen I, as special teams. I think there's some things that he could do special teams wise, but don't get it twisted. He's not Devin Hester. So, the question was posed to Nagy about what went wrong as far as utilizing Tariq Cohen last year.
5: You look at numbers right away. You look at our offensive numbers right away, and there, there's there's a lot of things. Again, you can look across the board at every position and say we we struggle, you know, and, and we understand that. The beauty of sports, the beauty of life, to me, the people that move on and and, and succeed are the ones that forget about that and you don't live in the past. So I'll be be really, really honest with you, Um, that's gone. We don't care anymore about 2019. Uh, We don't care about 2018. We are in such a good place right now as a team mentally, um, schematically. uh, Personally, each guy wanting to be a little better and understanding if they focus on themselves that we will be better so I, I don't, to tell you the truth, I don't even like bringing it, bringing it up just because we're in such a good place. I, 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 uh, I just know that Tariq has been great in meetings, and I know that he's going to do everything possible to have a, a really good 2020 season. So Nagy doesn't know. He doesn't know what to do with Tariq Cohen.
0: That's what that told me. He's talking about being positive and, and being in a good place, almost throwing the tape out. All the tapes, all 16 tapes, just throwing everything out from last year and starting fresh in 2020. Yeah, you can't do that because you got to evaluate what has to happen for this year versus last year. How how can Tariq uh, Cohen's production get better? How can you better utilize him uh, as a player? Is he some kind of... A player that you bring out offensively as a gadget player where he's just there for a, a certain set of plays like they did with uh, Cordero Patterson last year? Is he primarily a special teams guy? The, these questions have to be answered. And so he, he he totally just did 56 seconds of just going around the question because even I don't think he even knows like what to do with Tariq Cohen in 2020 and how to utilize him properly. To say that you know we're in a great place and we're not th- thinking about that, you're thinking about it you just don't know what to do yet. And so that's that's an interesting uh, answer that he gave. Also, so informed team uh, was the, the informed team that uh, the, the ending OTAs early accomplished everything. So some thoughts there about OTAs
5: from Matt Nagy. I, I talked to the team yesterday and informed them that we're going to be ending our off-season program a week and a half early. Um, we've really had a phenomenal nine weeks of virtual learning um they've been really 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 good solid weeks i'm proud of our guys for you know for showing up um every every day it's all voluntary um and it's we've we've done a lot i think right now um you know uh emotionally and just uh there's been a lot obviously in the last week and a half but on top of that on the football side we've done a lot mentally to them and we just think it's, uh, con- you know, with the attendance that we've had, with the players and coaches being very adaptive, it's been different, but they've they've really responded well to it. So this is, what this is going to do is this is going to give our players and our coaches a chance to really, you know, our, first of all, the, the players can focus on training. It's going to be very important. That's the, the one part that's been, you know, more difficult is we're not all together. So now they get to really um, not worry about meeting so much Monday through Thursday, but they can really focus on their bodies and train and come into training camp really prepared. And then for our coaches, it allows us to really dive into the the cut-ups and and preparing to help these these kids out. So, like I said, so next week, and then we had three days after that that we are gonna be able to have. We've done so much, we feel like we're in a really good place right now. Okay.
0: I mean, and and Davis, he's talking about virtually they're in a good place. Right.
2: He must be the mad scientist when it comes to virtual assessment of his football team. He must know something that the other 31 coaches don't know.
0: (laughs) You're in a great place virtually. What about when you put the pads on? If if you put the pads on.
2: He has the Wizzle from – What was that? Uh, Bozo. Yes. The little
1: doody, 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 doo. -doo. He has
2: that.
0: (laughs) He knows it all. Coach doody, doody, (laughs) doo. Yes. (laughs) Just with the big hat on. The wizard, Matt Nagy, is in a great place. Okay. All I can say is, okay, we'll see what happens. Coming up next, some thoughts from Sammy Sosa. On with David Kaplan. Uh, Does he want his number 21 retired? He's not in the Hall of Fame. Why? He addresses all that next on
1: UTH. (laughs) This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi, everybody. On ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to Under the Hood. Get the ESPN Chicago app for podcasts and the live stream from anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Download in the app store today. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.
0: We'll hear from Mickey Morandini coming up at 8 o'clock. His thoughts... About Sammy Sosa, of course, the the Sosa-McGuire documentary takes place Sunday at 8 on ESPN. So I look forward to um, that documentary. So we're going to hear from Morandini. Also, uh, in our next hour at 8.30, we have Tales from the Hood. We'll hear from our guy Andre Snellings from ESPN. Powerful article from him on ESPN.com regarding Roger Goodell. But also, he is our referee when we redraft um some of these nba drafts to see who we who sean and i would have taken when it comes to the bulls so we go one through ten we're going to redraft the nightly 2000 draft oh boy (laughs) oh man not great Uh, the 2000 draft, but uh, we'll go through it and go through 1 through 10 and see who the Bulls would have taken and see who the best players were in that draft. That is not easy. Uh, You can follow along and go to Basketball Reference wherever you can find your 2000 NBA draft. How would you redraft the 2000 draft? We'll talk about it coming up at 8.30. Sammy Sosa was on Cap and Company earlier today. And so there's a number of questions that was posed to Sammy, including: Will your number 21 be retired for the Cubs?
3: I believe so. I believe so. I think you know, time will heal everything. You know, and you know, I am not rushing. I'm you know, I'm a young guy, so pretty much, you know, in one day, you know, I expecting you know, the thing go changing, and somebody, you know, check my case and you know, you know, and give me, you know, give me another opportunity.
0: Also, Sammy uh, was asked: Does it bother you that you're not in the Hall of Fame?
3: Look, you know, I, I just learned through my, you know, I mean, through my years and, uh, and my, my prayer that uh, you know, whatever happened is happening. You know, numbers there. You know, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't have any. Let's say i you know, what can I do? You know, you know, it is not up to me. It's not up to the fans. It is to the writers. So I had to wait. See what's going on. I had to wait. See if you have a chance to get in the Hall of Fame. I
0: wonder. I guess that probably bothers Sosa. I mean, he, he kind of just blows it off, but I'm sure that he's disappointed that he's not in the Hall of Fame. But again, all those players that were around the steroid era uh, that were making hitting all those home runs, Sosa, McGuire, Bonds, uh, there's a long list that are not in the Hall of Fame or not even going to get close to the Hall of Fame. Uh, Clemens, you could throw his name in there as well. Uh, so uh, why are you not in the Hall of Fame?
3: I, I, you know, that's one of the reasons that I asked myself, you know, uh, you know, because I was good with every reporter, I was good with everyone they asked me for interview. I did my job, and I, and today they treat me like I don't, you know, I don't know, you know, I don't get enough ball to get in the Hall of Fame, and that's the, the question that I ask myself. And I see all the players, you know, which have a, a, a um, let's say, Hall of Fame numbers, get more ball than me, and I'm like, why, you know, what is the reason?
0: You notice, Davis. The first thing he
2: said was the media, right? Yes, how he was with the media. He gave everybody reports, and he was nice to them, so he doesn't understand. That is a very interesting way of looking at it, for it to be the first thing out of his mouth.
0: Well, just like it's what we've, what you and I have both said, right? If you're good with the media... There is always an opportunity where you get some of these baby boomers and some Gen Xers like you and I that will turn a blind eye to whatever happened and be like, you know, he was a good guy. You know, he always gave me a quote. Ah, put him in the Hall of Fame. Give him a vote. So but Sosa was media friendly, was media friendly.
2: Absolutely. And it's amazing when you go back and you look at the stories with McGuire and Sosa, McGuire was definitely casted as the good guy. Mm-hmm. In that race, and Sosa was—I don't want to go as far to say villain—but he was the guy chasing the good guy.
0: That's hopefully that's brought up in the documentary. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It'll be interesting to see if that's going to be the case um, as we talk about this on Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN One Thousand and the ESPN Chicago app. Okay, so how about this? Uh, how about this on people being skeptical? Of his numbers.
3: Uh, look, you know, numbers are there. Numbers don't lie. I mean, you know, you cannot convince people. You know, you can talk to people to explain. You know, uh, uh, you know. I mean, what you, what you've been doing, what you go through. I mean, I mean to get, I mean, I mean to get to that point. But you know, I'm not here to convince anybody. I, I'm, I'm, I'm I feel comfortable that uh, you know that documentary is gonna change a lot of people's mind. I hope it do that. I hope you know, uh, open more doors for me and continue living my life.
0: Yeah, I mean similar to Michael Jordan and how younger people see Jordan in that last dance documentary, Sammy says that there's there's gonna be something out of that documentary that might change people's mind. I don't I I don't think so when it comes to voters, but there's gonna be young fans will see this home run chase and be like, oh okay. This is what it was like, how wild nineteen ninety eight was in that spring and summer. It was it's pretty great. Um so also Sammy was asked about uh, the culture, what the culture was like in nineteen ninety eight.
3: Well, 1998, we have a good team, you know. Uh, we put it together. We've been having uh, a couple of seasons before that, and that not was very good. But, you know, in you know, we have a good team together. Uh, uh, we have a good chemistry, and everybody, you know, played great. I mean, especially, you know, uh, that was the year that I just, um, you know, take off. Uh, all, you know, all of my, my, my hard work that I was doing it and uh, concentration in my game. But, uh, you know, all of the night and everything was great. Kloha was great. A lot of media, they, they, we never expected before, a lot of people around. So pretty much, you know, it was great.
0: Yeah, so um, as we spoke earlier about... Uh, how Tom Ricketts and the Cubs should allow Sammy Sosa to get back to the Cubs family. Look, you and I can go back and forth on whether or not you believe those that were around steroids or those that you believe took steroids should be in the hall of fame. I believe that those, I think bond Sosa Clemens, uh, those players should be in the hall of fame. And if you want to explain the, the home run chase or the uh, steroid era, you should keep in mind. The hall of fame is pretty much a museum it tells stories right when you go to a museum it it, is there to tell stories major league baseball could tell the story of the steroid era and allow the best of the best that era in but many have dug their heels in and said no we're not going to do that and so that's why we have this hang-up so if not the hall of fame definitely with the cubs um how much does it bother sammy that he's not been back to wrigley field
3: no not really uh well you know and the way that you know, I don't see why not. You know, I can be invited to Chicago. But you know, you know, I mean, this is not in my hand. I don't, I don't control that. I don't want to get into get into much of that because you know, I don't want to create any inconvenience, or I don't want people to get mad at me for some reason. You know what I mean? But you know, I hope you know one day you know it's going to happen. You know, but but you know, don't bother me. I just just you know continue living my life.
0: So thoughts there from Sammy Sosa. You can hear the interview in its entirety on the ESPN Chicago app. Look for Cap'n Company. Click that. He was on in the second hour of Cap and Company. I heard it live uh, earlier today. Coming up, we'll talk to a teammate of Sammy Sosa back in 1998, Mickey Morandini, the dandy little glove man, uh, comes on to talk about... Sammy Sosa, 1998, the home run chase, and baseball in 2020. Uh, Morandini joins us in two minutes right here on Under the Hood. This is Under
1: the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.